0: Hey there, a quick reminder that All About Beer is back online. Visit allaboutbeer.com for news, reviews, and beer insight. And you can also follow along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at All About Beer to keep up with us every step of the way. And if you want to help bring original journalism to the beer space, we have a Patreon that goes directly to writers, photographers, illustrators, and editors, starting at just $5 a month. And there's also a pro tier for all of you professional brewers and industry businesses out there. Visit patreon.com slash all beer to learn more. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. And there is some welcome news out of California this week when it was revealed that Moonlight Brewery, which had been half-owned by Heineken slash Lagunitas, would sell that part of the company to Patrick Rue, the former owner of the brewery. Patrick is here, along with Brian Hunt, the founder of Moonlight, to talk about the sale, ownership, and the customer experience. But first up... We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support journalism in the beer space, and you can help us out too. Learn more by emailing sponsor at beeredge.com. Cigar City is a sponsor of this episode, and we're grateful for that. And Wayne Wombles is here. He's Cigar City's brewmaster, and we're talking about Fancy Papers, the brewery's hazy IPA. Wayne, welcome back to the show. And for those who are unfamiliar with the beer, can you tell us a little bit about it? and what they can expect flavor and aroma-wise.
1: So with this beer, I get a lot of white grape and lime to lime leaf. Um, there's also honeydew melon, and uh, there's a citrus, citrus expression, but it's leaning more towards orange, uh, and then also a definite mango, sort of like underripe mango character. Where does the name come from? The name is in reference to... Um, designs and crests that were printed on on fancy papers, um, which were applied to cigar boxes and cigar packaging. Uh, And all this basically is a nod towards Tampa's long tradition of hand-rolling cigars. Um, And when we talk about that, that is the reason why Tampa is referred to as the Cigar City, which is where Cigar City Brewing gets its name from.
0: That's great. And thank you, Wayne. We're going to have more with you at the bottom of the show, but for now, I'm going to encourage everybody to go visit CigarCityBrewing.com to learn more about Fancy Papers and all of the brewery's other beers. Don't forget to visit BeerEdge.com to sign up for the newsletter to catch up with the Beer Edge podcast and to check out our merch page, which is now up and running again and is full of this week in beer gear, as well as Defend Pilsner mugs. Also, the Craft Brewery Cookbook is on sale wherever you get your books. It's packed with recipes and stories from some of the best breweries in the country. And this cookbook has all of your beer and food pairing needs covered in fresh and inventive ways. It's published by Princeton Architectural Press and get your copy today wherever books are sold. Last week, word got out that Patrick Rue, the founder of The Brewery in Orange County, California, and more frequently the founder and operator of Erosion Wines in Napa, had acquired a 50% stake in Moonlight Brewery, the beloved Northern California brewery that was founded 30 years ago by Brian Hunt. Moonlight is known for its beers like Death and Taxes and Reality Check, and had been half-owned by Lagunitas via Heineken for the last six years. I first learned of this news by Beer by Bart. It's a great site that's run by Gail Ann Williams and Steve Shapiro, and if you're not already following them on social media, rectify that quickly. A subsequent news release noted that Patrick will serve in an advisory capacity and will direct an oak barrel aging program that enhances the integrity and heritage of Moonlight. Under the Heineken co-ownership, Moonlight packaging shifted from exclusively to draft to additionally offering beer in cans, and both production and distribution have grown all while keeping sales limited to Northern California. And additionally, that release stated that the new ownership strengthens Moonlight's dedication to remaining locally owned. This will allow for patient growth, greater availability of its coveted beers to its fans and wholesale partners, while managing the deliciousness and high quality for which Moonlight is so well known. That's nice for a press release, but let's hear from the owners directly. Both Patrick and Brian joined me via Zoom to go deeper into this news. Here's our conversation. Brian, was this an unexpected chapter for Moonlight?
2: Uh, no, not really. This is something that uh, I've been working on for a while and uh, trying to find the right long-term solution. And uh, working with Patrick was a, a bit of a surprise. And uh, it was uh, serendipitous but came along at a good time. How so? Um, because I think he's uh, is an excellent partner for what we do. Uh, he understands the craft beer. He loves craft beer. And uh, it, it's, not, uh, it's not some of the people that I had talked to were looking at this more of a financial transaction. And uh, it's the love of beer that uh, I think is what we at Moonlight is really what we're focused on. And uh, Patrick is that way. That's how he feels about beer. Uh, Beer is delight. Beer is poetry. Beer is uh, an art form. And uh, that's what Patrick brings to the table, uh, that more of this same philosophy. And in that regard, it's serendipitous that he showed up at a time when we were looking for the right partner.
0: Do do you feel that saying beer is the delight beer is an art form. Is that something that doesn't get the focus that it deserves these days?
2: I'm not sure that ever has gotten enough focus. Um, But then again, that's not always what people want in a beer. Sometimes people just want flat out refreshment and and I'm, I'm no uh, alternative to that. There, There are times when I was handed a Coors Light and you know what? It worked. Yeah. So there's, it's not always that something has to just stop you in your tracks. I really like it when something does. But um, as the industry progresses, uh, it's, I think, harder for, uh, for that to be uh, what people are focusing on. It's, it's more business-related. And um, luckily, some people are doing a beautiful job of bringing artistry into brewing. Um, but not everybody is the focus these days. Kind of once you see money get into uh, that, there's money to be made. Then that philosophy comes in. I was actually really grateful when people started weed operations because then when someone just inherited a bunch of money, they said, "Dude, man, I'm gonna get a dispensary," and uh, they <laughs> stopped opening breweries when they shouldn't.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's a maybe not a uniquely California problem, but. Largely a California problem. Um, Um, but yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. Uh, It it just became legal in Jersey. So, uh, I don't have a full handle on the scene here yet. (laughs) Okay. Um, Heineken. It's been interesting because when larger breweries have Come into the craft space. Um, there's always a little bit of hand wringing that happens among uh, brewery owners, beer enthusiasts. Uh, oh, what's going to change? How is it going to change? Uh, oh, it's it's just not the same anymore. That kind of thing. Um, with Moonlight, it was interesting because it was a uh, you know the the deal through Lagunitas um, for for half, and I think the natural assumption that industry watchers have is okay, they're going to start there and then. They'll, they'll get the rest of it. Um, what I think brought a smile to a lot of people's faces was Patrick coming into the equation and um, Heineken slash Lagunitas, um exiting. And it's, it's not that people were smiling at their misfortune, but it was going to, okay, this is this is going to be owned by people that we know and like physical, you know, human beings, as opposed to, to, to large corporations. Um, could it have gone the other way?
2: Um, could have, and, you know, you bring up a point that a lot of people, when they see, uh, a smaller crafter get bought by a larger that they think automatically it's bad. And I take fault with that because mm-hmm. it's not that inherently it is bad. It's that what we know usually happens is bad or is bad for someone that cares about it in a smaller way. You have some craft breweries that made it to a larger audience, and some people are really happy that they finally can get something in their state. But what matters most is what happens in that small brewery. or. Yeah, uh, is the care still there? Do people actually uh, want to make great beer or are they just wanting to make great money? Yeah, And that doesn't have to happen. It just very often does. And so that instead of looking at the the problem being, oh my gosh, uh, some bigger brewery bought out another one, yeah, often that seems to go a direction. But really what to look at is not that. What's really to look at is what happens with the beer, and I, I've seen uh breweries bought by larger that do a great job, and I've seen obviously the opposite too.
0: Can, can you point to and Patrick? I know you're here and you're just politely you're just politely sitting in the background. Um, okay, I don't think, I, I do like talk anyway, so,
2: so. it's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I've had too much coffee. I guess
0: no that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what 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 has been some of the good signs that you've seen in the past i I know it's easy to focus on the negative but like what what have been some of the benefits that you saw with some of those sales in the past as as somebody who is you know had more than a toe in those waters
3: sure um well i think probably the biggest thing is just as brian said a, a reach to the larger market it's exposing people to the taste of craft beer, and you, know, you can find really nice IPAs, at, you know, any sort of sporting good or any sort of sporting event, any sort of concert venue. It's not the typical, you know, lowest, lowest common denominator sort of beer uh, everywhere. Now you have, you know, real craft beer, uh, at least the flavor of craft beer, however you wanted to define it, um, at these you know, places where, you know, civilization enjoys beer. So I think it's good for the for the rest of us um in that. Um everybody knows what an IPA is. Um yeah. Everybody knows, you know, what a pilsner is, that kind of thing. Um so just exposing people to to good beer. Is,
0: is that what you wanted for Moonlight, Brian? To be in every stadium and every gas station and stovepipe cans and
2: no, the, the, it never was. Um, And actually, Patrick uh, triggered something for me that I wanted to bring up, and really is another half of what I was saying really was that it's not just the size of the brewery that makes a difference, that owns it. Because I know many craft breweries that are really only doing it for money, and the beer's not great, and the attitude of the ownership's not great, and their behavior is no different than what we don't like when a much larger brewery butchers something smaller so to me it's not the size of the ownership of the brewery it's the behavior of the ownership of the brewery that makes the difference interesting large or small I mean, we can all point to a craft beer that that does things on a small scale but there's a lot we don't really think is the way we would do it
0: yeah Throughout I'm Moonlight. sorry that I missed your question no 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 I don't, I don't no I don't know if you did um, I, I I guess you know the, it, it, no I think you answered it of you know I guess it, it, it comes down to how hard the thumb on the scale is from larger ownership and I mean ultimately how it squares with founders of you know and and original owners of um, or owners of a brewery, um, you know, because we've seen people, we've seen larger breweries come in, and founders and and original owners sticking around um, and watching the place that they built, that they hold more dear than just been anything else in life, uh, change around them and have no say in it. Um, which is frustrating in its own way, um, and sometimes it's it's for the benefit, and sometimes it's it it it, it it's clearly not. Um, with a fifty percent ownership, I mean, it it seems like you had the ability to keep things going the way that you wanted to, but with additional resources and and insight from a from a larger company.
2: To a large degree, that's true. Um, I got to continue running it and, uh, you know, kind of Loganese and I both had veto, po- veto powers over things that we didn't want to happen. And um, there were, there were great things about that in that regard and, and challenges too, of course, yeah. like any relationship. And, you know, I, I think a lot uh, about, you you mentioned founders and then things change. It's kind of like having kids where, um, you set your kid up for how you think their, their success is going to be, but that doesn't mean that they don't have their own, on uh, own way of, uh, wanting to take on the world. And, um, uh, they're going to do their own things and a brewery will have its own life uh, and, and really, it's the consumers that own the brewery. It's not something that the owners get to dictate. It's the consumers that dictate what happens in a brewery. They buy the beer. They don't buy the beer. They buy the IPA and not the Pilsner. They buy the Pilsner and not the IPA. Um, breweries are going to have a life of their own regardless of what the founders sometimes want. The founders can steer just like a parent can still steer an adult child, some direction or other, but (laughs) most children will have their own agendas.
0: When the conversation started between the two of you, I imagine that there had to have been some pretty candid back and forths of expectations from both sides.
3: Um, I don't know. We haven't had that discussion yet, have we, Brian? <laughs> well,
0: well, welcome to therapy. We've known
2: each other for a
0: while, so yeah.
2: that helps. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're done. aligned on the, Patrick, the size.
3: I, and, oh, sorry, go ahead, Brian.
2: Yeah, I mean, I first met you multiple years ago before you started the brewery, but uh, on the CCBA board, I worked with you, and I, I think we each understood each other pretty well.
0: CCBA yep. is California Craft Brewers Association. Yeah. Oh, yep. Sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. Just just for those on the East Coast. That's all. Um, so entering into a relationship like this, though, even if you haven't had the, uh, you know, who's getting the top bunk question uh, or conversation, <laughs> um, th- th- there had to have been a decent understanding of long-term, or maybe not of, you know, what Moonlight continues to be and aspires to be.
3: Yeah. My goal in all this is to keep, keep Moonlight what it is. It's, um, you know, a brewery that I've been, that's been, uh, near and dear to me for almost 20 years, it's, uh, celebrates 30th year anniversary. So I wasn't the yeah. first, uh, the first fan of it, but, um, and, um, yeah, it's really, it's a special brewery in that, um, well, in many ways, but it um, has really remained committed to making the beers that it does. It's, you know, it's so easy these days to uh, gain audience by making things that, you know, people are asking for, like hazy IPAs and, and the like. Um, and it's really kept true to its uh, roots. as it has a lot of integrity to me, and I, I just, I don't want to screw that up. I want to help it out business wise, and it's already a, a really well, Performing business, but um,
0: yeah, yeah. So
3: but, I feel luck to be part
0: of it. But Patrick, there's a lot of folks who, you know, would hear about a brewery like this and have fond memories, and then just sort of shrug and say, "Well, what can you do?" You know, and 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 kind of move on and and have it live in a in a happy place in in, in the memory banks. Um, what was it about Moonlight that made you want to step up and do this?
3: Um, Well, I live not too far away, so it's important.
0: (laughs) So location. (laughs) It's a short commute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I hope it's more than that. If it's not, that's fine. But
3: yeah, like I'm generally not looking for, you know, to invest in breweries. Um, you know, I've been there. I have my own little three and a half barrel brewery. So I get to, you know, screw around and do what I want to do in the, in the brewing world. Um, so, um, Yeah. It was just something that I felt very compelled to do. Um, I think, you know, being stuck at home during the pandemic and drinking all those Moonlight cans really helped too. So thank you. Thank you for that, Brian.
0: (laughs) But is that, I mean, it it sounds like you're being flipped, but it, but I also imagine that there's gotta be a, I mean, that's, that's a very Fritz Maytag story, right? Of Fritz going to his local back in the sixties, drinking steam beer, being fond of it, finding out that it, you know, was in peril and stepping up. Like it, it, it sounds flip like, Oh, I'm drinking a lot of this beer during the pandemic, you know, let me get a piece of this brewery, but there's history in, in, in that premise.
3: Well, it definitely wasn't, definitely wasn't. It just didn't, I wanted to, I wanted to control the future um, like, you know, Brian and, um, and I wanted to see it basically. That makes sense. It could, could have gone a lot of different directions and I wanted it to go, uh, my direction, which I feel like is Brian's direction as well. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I, I, I like your analogy with Fritz Maytag in, in, in many ways that it was a beer that Fritz loved and related and appreciated to talking about Anchor Steam. And I think that's, that's what I hear from Patrick is it's something that he loves and appreciates and. Like anything we do, we we want more of that in our life. We don't want to see it go a different direction. And um, yeah, I I think it's more like that. And to an earlier question, you know, how much conversation we had about it when I first had conversations about Patrick, it was uh, he he loved the beer and he didn't say. God, Brian, you're only in Northern California. God, don't you think we could get in a lot of states if we like did something different? You never asked me that question. So that, that kind of answered it all for me.
0: I like that. Um, Patrick, you mentioned that you still have you know, your three-and-a-half-barrel brewery um, attached to uh, your natural wine company. Um, Do Do you plan on it being different are they are they going to complement each other uh these two brewing ventures are they um how does that work like portfolio wise
3: yeah uh, kind of totally separate um businesses um however as part of erosion we have a, a tap room and um uh, have a lot of other beers on tap and moonlight will, you know, play a strong role in, uh, offering those great beers. But, um, no, I feel like erosion is, um, kind of, it's kind of two focuses on our beers. One is what do you want to drink after you've been drinking red wine all day long, we're in kind of this tour, you know, wine <laughs> tourism area. Yeah. <laughs> People tend to drink all day and then they look for that beer that is gonna, you know, refresh them. And get all that red wine off their teeth. <laughs> and then, you know, secondly, I think is, uh, making beers that I'm known for, which tend to be a little bit more experimental or, you know, I don't know, uh, not, not so super stylistic and just, um, kind of, you know, fun, fun, delicious beers. Um, so do those as well, and more catering to a, um, um, I don't know, kind of my core audience of uh, beer enthusiasts that, are generally in california because that's where we can ship too so
0: yeah
3: Hey. Um, right i see moonlight as you know keeping you know doing what it's currently doing plus you know a few a few small modifications to uh get more of that um you know direct direct customer uh, sort of
0: focus is there a different beer drinking audience in your part of the state as opposed uh, now as opposed to orange county
3: yeah definitely um the, uh, well, so I think in Orange County, we were able to attract a, a really wide demographic, um, and, um, you know, able to find those people who, you know, who enjoy drinking 20% beers, um, you know, on a 90 degree <laughs> day yeah. <in> August, um, <laughs> where. Here in Napa. We, <laughs>
0: Brian's you know, laughing. We're coming back to that in a second. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's just a, it's a big area. There's, you know, 15 million people within a pretty quick drive. And, um, you know, it's easy to find, it's easier to find your audience, but when you're in Napa, you're, um, you know, you're very far from everybody. So people are there for a, for a reason. Usually it's, you know, they're, they're visiting and drinking wine. Um, they're generally not, you're, you know, I think they're, People are more and more are educated about beer, but they're not looking for a huge barley one. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, so I see the, I need to reach beyond this local area through shipping to kind of reach, uh, reach the people I need to reach, uh, all the while, you know, serving this local area with, with our wine and with, uh, well, you know, like reality check, like Moonlight's beers. you know, that fits, uh, um, yeah. the wine drinking crowd really well.
0: It, it, is there a deeper synergy between modern winemaking and craft beer?
3: Ooh, I don't know. Um, I would say the you know the Napa of the the '90s was all about making kind of the biggest the biggest boldest wines, the most ripe fruit uh, flavor that you can get. Um, and now I feel like it's more back and I feel like that's, that was similar to the craft beer, um, ethos of, you know, 2010 let's yeah. make the biggest beers we can make, let's put it in bourbon barrels. Let's, you know, smooth out the alcohol, but big flavor, um, which, uh, so I, I feel like there's some simil- similarity there where I think wine and app is going more towards now, like, how can we be on the same playing field as Bordeaux, um, you know, we want to have refined wines that are going to age for 50 years and um yeah it's sort of a, a slightly different uh, mentality these days so yeah. but we're of the 1990s napa we want to make big wines that you know drink like imperial <laughs> stouts so <laughs> we're a little bit against the trend but it's fun
0: more in just a moment, but first, thanks to Cigar City Brewing for sponsoring this episode. Check out Fancy Papers from Cigar City Brewing. With aromas of freshly cut grass and tangerine, along with white wine grape and bread-like aromas, this hazy IPA has flavors of guava, melon, and lime leaf. Brewed with Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 Hops to draw in lovers of fruit-forward hazy IPAs, get some today where you buy beer, and learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. And now back to the conversation. Brian, earlier you mentioned that consumers own the breweries um, when it comes to you know choice and uh, what they want in their glass and 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 their cans and their draft and everything else. Um, how, how much does the ownership that they don't see play into consumer preferences, like in reality? Uh, interesting question. Uh,
2: well, I think how it manifests uh, is the best way. It, the The intentions of the owner come out in the product. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was giving a tour of Moonlight to someone oh, a couple months back, and and I thought there's nothing we do here that is at a, is at all special. There's no secret at Moonlight that makes what we do, it's really that every time there was a business decision, I would always choose the option that would make the best beer. And you'll see that if a brewery is owned by a brewer or if it's owned by a marketing person or owned by an accountant, uh, everybody uses the skills they have, the the knowledge that Uh, background to, to manifest what they do. And uh, I'm trained brewers, so uh, that's what I want to see the focus of. So when we're buying a new pump, um, I want the one that's gentlest on the beer, not the cheapest one. Uh, something like that, a uh, business decision. So you just add all those little decisions up um, Do you put you have some money to put in? Do you put it into a bigger display for merch in the tap room, or do you put it into um, contracting some better hops, um, some exotic hops that you know you have one little window to get? It's that kind of decision that you have to make every day, from minutely small to very large decisions. And it's the summation of that. That is what you do. That is what people taste. Now, granted, you can also have advertisements with babes in bikinis. And that is what the marketing person's in charge. And that resonates with certain people. And they'll buy the beer because of that. And I never really... Gave up mm, whatever I can say on a podcast. You can, about, you, you, you can use the, words, uh, the That's fine. <laughs> I, I think it probably just came across. Yeah, yeah, we got it. <laughs> marketing was never what I cared about. I would always put any money into the brewing process instead of into more radio ads or billboards or um, free giveaway t shirts and glassware that. You know, some breweries do. Uh, That that was just never my focus. And my feeling is the people that cared about the beer and that weren't dissuaded by free swag or whatever advertisements, the people that taste the beer went, oh, my God, this is just damn. Yeah, that was my intention. And those are the consumers that I wanted to pay attention, uh, a, a billboard or a free shirt that gets some people's attention. That's not what I wanted. And so I really did screw myself in some way that if we did anything wrong, our core clientele would go, eh, yeah, that's yeah, not it anymore. So really our clientele now are especially people that taste it and go, Oh God, this is exactly what I needed in my glass. This is the reality check I needed today. And and so those people make the decisions to buy our beer or not. And so those people own the brewery because they're the ones that provide the capital for us to buy more malt and to pay the rent.
0: There also comes... So, yeah, you, sorry, you go come,
2: ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 please. I rambled. That's, that's probably plenty. So that's how the, the feelings of the owner manifest and how in reality it is the consumers that also... Are the owners, and they their choices manifest what happens in a brewery.
0: Everything that you just said, and I mean, Patrick, this, the, I, I imagine this is also true for you with erosion and um, going smaller than 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 what you were before. Um, it's living within the means that you feel comfortable as opposed to the means that the outside thinks that you should be um for a long time even as a a, as a reporter i was falling into the trap of saying you know well how big do you want to be and i was missing the point of the overall industry by just assuming that people wanted to be the next Sierra Nevada or Sam Adams or or whatever, whereas people are just happy by and large being you know, within their footprint, what is manageable for them, but ultimately where they can have the most connection with their consumers. Um And, and I'm wondering if this new partnership fits into that, that there is you know, growth if you want it, but ultimately being comfortable in your own skin and how much that matters.
3: Right. Yeah. I think with erosion, it's, you know, purposefully small and, uh, don't really want to see it become something significant. It's more of a, it's a professional hobby. Um, so, which I, you know, I think it's really cool. I get to be a home brewer again, but people still get to drink it. So I like that. Um, but I feel like working it's, with Moonlight, I'm able to, you know, use some of the skills I've developed and building a brewery to, you know, apply there. And,
0: um, yeah, that makes sense. It, do you wake up a little happier being a home brewer who can sell the beer that he wants?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. or do you
0: wake I'm up it, maybe that. not happier, but in a different way?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, the days I the days I get to brew and I don't have a, a recipe, uh, I just now I have five different types of malt and I have these hops and I have this yeast and I kind of figure it out, you know, about ten minutes before I start uh, milling. Um, that's really fun. It's uh, something you cannot do normally.
0: And, um, but how how much it. how much chocolate syrup do you have on hand right now? <laughs> a
3: lot of uh, cacao nibs <laughs> sorry i do have i do have like, <laughs> cans and cans of dolce de leche so that was I an don't...
0: asshole question but i just no, it's resist. Totally, yeah it's, it's fair totally it was fair. a fair question it was just still an asshole question yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> i do have a lot of weird ingredients but i also make ice cream so i don't know whether it's going like to go professionally or just cream. for fun uh professionally i don't know we'll really? make, you know 20 gallons a day kind of thing uh, when we make ice cream uh, that okay. we serve at our tap room yeah
0: It's really fun. Brian, what I know about your brewery and, um, having only visited once years ago, um, do, do some of the things that Patrick made his name, uh, uh, brewing with, uh, do some of those ingredients freak you out?
2: Uh, freak me out, boy, that could be taken different ways. um, they uh, they startle me and surprise me for okay. sure but um uh, but then again i grew with herbs and redwood branches and uh, who am i to say yeah um yeah i think that's it. who am i to say yeah it does show a willingness yeah. to be creative and to uh, to think outside the keg. And uh, I, I welcome that. There's there's so much more that beer can be more than what it's been. And um, I, I don't know the next beer I'm going to have that will absolutely stalk me in my tracks and go, I, I, I had no idea. This is amazing. That's it. I, I love that. That we can have with beer and just just to be stopped and stunned so um bring it on
0: so where does moonlight go from here well we're gonna is that a question for (laughs) it's a jump ball i mean (laughs) you each have an equal opportunity to answer
3: Right. Well, Brian, I interrupted Brian talking, so you go first, please. <laughs>
2: oh, well, 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 what what I really bring to the table is more uh, continuation of what we do, and uh, with some you know fun things. And I think Patrick has some ideas for what will be different going forward, and uh, and probably should hand it over to him.
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, Moonlight is a incredibly valuable place it is um so first and foremost uh protecting that is my biggest goal and um it's also in very high demand uh amongst its you know very small footprint of distribution um so getting getting more beer to the people who are already drinking it i think is important um and then getting more people to um enjoy the brand in person uh, you know, in the tap room, um, has a great, already has a great audience, but, um, I think that's how you get to really, um, become a, a lifelong fan is experience, it experience it and, and, in person. Um, I don't know the first time I, I visited Moonlight was, uh, when Brian was, it was, you know, in a barn, uh, off the side of his house, I think it was your house. Was it Brian? Yep. Yep. And that, <laughs> I mean. I, I never, uh, I'll never forget, uh, that visit and, you know, drinking beers while he was brewing a batch of beer. And, um, yeah, that would, so if we can deliver those sort of experiences to, uh, to people every week, I think
0: you'll, um,
3: I think it'll be very fulfilling and Moonlight will have a great future as it already does.
0: It's nice to hear. Um, I've been asking folks on the show and Brian, I'm going to start with you, but uh, the premise is uh, months back, my wife and I were rewatching the good place, the television show, and there's there a whole premise in the last uh-huh. season of um, being able to walk through a green door that will bring you anywhere at any point in time um, with you know anybody that you want to be with. And so um, if there was a door on this plane of existence and this conversation could end and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery with anybody that you wanted, where would you go? Who would you be with and what would you want in your glass?
2: Oh boy. That's, that's quite a lot. Uh, my lovely wife is definitely would want to be with, um, uh, just at hair of the dog. And that was pretty wonderful. Uh, I'm kind of a, in the moment, sort of person Uh, and uh i think wherever i am i can make it pretty pretty good especially if there's you know good beer i i i don't have big dreams for that i I just kind of pretty too grounded to give you a better answer that i'm terribly sorry
0: no that's fine patrick do you have a more lofty answer
3: Boy. um I think if I could be in a bar with uh, Michael Jackson, the, the beer writer before yeah. anybody knew about him when he was trying to convince people to drink like a Flemish red.
0: So early be... <laughs> Jackson, I like that.
3: <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly.
0: People who yeah. have brought up Jackson before, are like late Jackson, who has all of the answers you want, you want early Jackson. I dig that.
3: Yeah. I, I want to be, I don't uh, yeah. I want to, I want to see what those conversations would be like and how he, um, you know, he convinced millions of people to, classic styles of beer. Uh how did that start? Yeah. I'd
0: love to see that. I love it. Well, gentlemen, I'm I'm excited for this new chapter of Moonlight and I'm I'm honored that you, you know, took some time to come on the show uh so uh close to the announcement um to to share a little bit of the insight uh to it and the future and the past and and everything that's intertwined. So thank you for for being on the show this week and thanks for Thanks for sharing your insight.
2: Thanks so much, John. Well, thank you for, yeah, thanks for having us and, uh, and best luck with uh, All About Beer. Nice, you it's know, nice. There's a lot of good things we can look forward to being better in the world. There's a lot of things that get really crappier in the world. And there, there's no reason not to also look for the things that are good in this world. And there's some things that, you know, we have to look forward to.
0: That's a nice reminder. Thank you. Okay. Don't forget All About Beer is back online. Go to allaboutbeer.com to catch up with great content. And if you want to keep in touch with me, if you have questions and comments, you can always email me. It's John Hall. that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com, where you can get with me on Twitter at john underscore hall. Go check out BeerEdge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and defend Pilsner merch and follow along on social media at The Beer Edge. Of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TWRauk Beer. We're able to bring you the show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at BeerEdge.com. As promised, I'm back with Wayne Wombles. He's the brewmaster of Cigar City, and the brewery is a sponsor of this episode, and we're thankful for that. And Wayne, we're talking Fancy Papers, the hazy IPA from the brewery, and hops obviously play a big part in this style. So what combination did you settle on, and what do you think they bring to the finished beer, both in aroma and flavor?
1: Well, this beer uses Strata, Sabro, and Idaho 7 as the primary hop varieties. Um, Strata is one of my favorite new, uh, newer hop varieties, I'll say. Um, and, and I get a lot of honeydew and citrus. Um, there's also some distinct pear notes, green pear that it has. And there's also like a non-vegetal, non-grassy, green tea sort of character that I get from this variety. Um, and as far as Sabro is concerned, This one brings more of like coconut lime with even like a oaky woodiness. Um, And then with Idaho 7, you're gonna expect pineapple, a little bit of grassiness, and almost like a pina colada expression. And when all those things come together, they create that tropical expression that you would expect from fancy papers.
0: That's awesome. Well, thanks, Wayne. I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. And now I'm going to encourage everybody to go and visit CigarCityBrewing.com to learn more about Fancy Papers and all of the brewery's other beers. Awesome. Thanks, John. Also, shameless self-promotion, my new book, The Craft Brewery Cookbook, is now on sale wherever you get your books. Packed with recipes and stories from some of the best breweries in the country, this cookbook has all of your beer and food pairing needs covered in fresh and inventive ways. It's published by Princeton Architectural Press, and get your copy today wherever books are sold. Final reminder, check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday. And the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And again, don't forget to go visit allaboutbeer.com and follow along on social media. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music. Jeff Quinn designed our logo. And I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday. And that's when I'm going to be back again. To drink beer and to think beer.